Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of Three Point Podcast. We're three sports guys from the same Michigan town, three generations with triple the hot takes. I'm the baby boomer back from vacay, Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Gen Xer Matt Burns of ESPN and our millennial Jared Patel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll also be checking in later with our crusty athletic supporter, Jack Strap. And you know what? Why not subscribe and give us a rating on Apple iTunes? Also, you can find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3PointPod. And it's really a big milestone week if we we have passed 100,000 plays on SoundCloud, and that doesn't include listens on iTunes or TuneIn. And we're also growing big time on Instagram, over 16,000 followers. I love it. Looks like we're on to something, boys. But uh, you know what? Is there anything we want to get into at all tonight? There is. And let me know how this comes through on the uh, sound. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that. Uh, did that come through? Yeah, I think it came through adequately. So, Ding Dong the Witch is dead. <laughs> D'Antonio is dead. I loved this game. As you guys, as I mentioned last week, I had to listen to it on the radio, so I wasn't actually able to quite see. You know, and I, let me ask you guys this right off the bat: What was was the handshake after the game between D'Antonio and Jim Harbaugh as as like awesome as I pictured in my brain? I was. I, I know we talked about it on the podcast last week, hoping for the Jim Schwartz, Jim Harbaugh. Handshake the head back in the back in the day with the Niners and the Lions. It wasn't quite that. I would say it was as vanilla as you would expect. They just walked up. It looked like they said good game, turned around and walked off. Wasn't much to it at all. Yeah, that's exactly how I saw it. I mean, I I was watching pretty closely, but it was your general handshake at midfield. It it definitely didn't uh, it didn't have any of the feel that the pregame and other stuff did, did it? No. So I just wanted to kind of what were your guys' thoughts like overall on the pregame antics? Like, I kind of am getting very annoyed with just everyone kind of talking about it so much. Like, it, it's a field. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chain of players. Walk. Like, it's just, it was bad timing. Like, Michigan State shows up two minutes late to, like, the 10 o'clock walk or whatever. Are they just supposed to cancel the whole walk because they're two minutes late? And is Michigan, like, it's just one of those things. Like, Michigan in that position as well, like, they can't back down and, like, just clear the field for Michigan State just because they show up. So it's like, I don't get people who are like saying this is a big knock on either program, like how it speaks volumes, like the type of players. Like, this is just rivalry football. Like, I think we kind of forgot it's football. Like, it's, just, it's such an overreaction just from both sides. Matt, you've kind of been on the forefront of it, and we're both Michigan men. We both love the Michigan one, but you have been tweeting very much so about how this is just a negative connotation, like on D'Antonio. And I do not agree. I hate D'Antonio as much as you do. But you've really taken this like to a whole other level. This whole pregame antics stuff. I was pretty fired up about it at first, and I mean, I guess I've come down a little bit. But I guess my biggest thing, I I do agree with you. Like, I think it was blown out of proportion. Like pointing all the fingers at Michigan State or the people pointing all their fingers at the Michigan players. I think both teams were as, if you want to say, guilty. I think that's almost extreme. But both teams were as guilty as the other one in like what happened. Michigan State knew they were showing up late. They knew Michigan players were going to be on the field warming up. And the coaches or whoever was there told their players, lock arms and just walk through them. So they're guilty there. The Michigan players knew what they were doing too, though. The Michigan players knew that this is something that Michigan State does every game when they're at home. They knew they were going to do this, so they went out there. And the funny thing is, is it's not like the whole team was out there warming up. Only a few guys were out there warming up. So they knew what they were doing. They were going to try and, you know, talk some trash or do something. So both teams were just as guilty as the other ones in what happened. The thing that bothered me the most was D'Antonio lying about it and trying to, when he said it's BS what Harbaugh said, that's what bothered me because what Harbaugh said about D'Antonio being right there behind the line, laughing, smiling, or whatever, it's 100% true. Like that, There's video, everyone's seen it now a million times. Like That is true. So for D'Antonio to sit there and be like, it's BS and act like he wasn't there or he wasn't egging it on or anything like that, that's what bothered me. You know, I, if he would have just said, like, yeah, I was there, uh, 
I told him to go. You know, I don't know what we what he would have said, but the fact that he was trying to cover it up. It, that's what bothered me. Now, let me reset this for maybe listeners that don't follow Michigan, Michigan State as close as we do. Michigan State has a tradition where they all come out, lock arms, pregame, way pregame, and walk the field with their helmets on and their and their green sweatsuits, correct? And that's what they do every week, like Jared said. Michigan had a few players on the field early within range of what they said they were going to be on the field. And then when the Spartans started walking from one end of the field to the other, when they got to their own about 40-yard line, uh, there was a couple of uh, ramifications where a couple Wolverines didn't want to get out of the way. Is that pretty much set it up? Basically, yeah. All right. Now, here's my viewpoint on the whole thing. I, I tend to lean with what uh, Jared is saying, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Michigan, I think, instigated it. And we're going to get more into this whole rivalry thing. I think that was intentional by the guys. I see no problem with it. That's just gamemanship on both teams. And I agree with you, D'Antonio, he had a little smirk on his face when he saw what was going on. I just need clarification here because didn't, didn't they let the Michigan – didn't they break their arms wherever the two Michigan guys were and let them through, or was there an altercation of some sort? I think one or two guys they did, like, let their arms go. But there's, like, there's video or pictures of – not necessarily clotheslined like the like Carbaugh said, but you know they were they Storm weren't like troopers. backing down. It's not like it was Red Rover, Red Rover, like the old elementary school game. It wasn't like that. Okay. But what, you know, both both teams I think were trying to like stand their ground. Yeah, and, and that's what I kind of said. It, it, you don't fault like in that position. You can't fault either. Like if you're a Michigan player, you have to stay on the field. You cannot clear the field. And if yep. you're a Michigan, like what pansies are the guys that like? let go of their grip and let a guy through like that's almost as bad that's a bad move by michigan state that's probably the worst thing michigan state did if you're a, if you're a member on that line you cannot let a michigan player pass through that easily you can't unlock your arms and let them through oh my sure. god there would definitely be a brawl at that point wouldn't there yeah and I, that, that's one thing that i do agree with harbaugh on in that like i know we everyone obviously saw the video of devin bush scraping the field or whatever he was doing and you know that was probably like the worst of what happened Harbaugh did say that you know his his guys kept their cool because yeah it, it could have got a lot worse if you know they were probably talking trash to each other you know it's good that like some some punches weren't thrown and stuff like that because then that would have that would have been out of hand for sure and, the, and, and in regards to Devin Bush's uh, I tweeted this but like when I first saw that that video I think we all kind of had a thought like oh no like Chris Frey is gonna have a heyday with this if we lose this game afterwards. Right. Yep. And afterwards, I loved it. We all loved it. It was the best thing we've seen. We saw all day was Devin Bush scuffing up that field. And the, for the state fans that are like freaking out, and like I feel like Michigan fans would do this as well. Like probably Nick Baumgartner or whatever. Like those like Michigan writers. Like they would like get all high and like 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 I said earlier, like all high and mighty over it. It's a field. Like it's a grass field. Like don't overthink right. it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I agreed with you. I agree with you when I first saw it. I thought, oh, no, what are they doing? This karma is not starting off very good. But I did love it after the fact, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, uh, Joe Bolden, he ran out and put the stake or, you know, like the tent stake into the ground, and obviously it backfired because Michigan State won. So, you know, that that's kind of what it was starting to look like. And, you know, I was kind of with you. There were people like, when that video first came out of Bush doing that, that was the first thing that came out. You know, it just looked like Devin Bush was midfield scraping the Spartan logo. At the time, no one knew what kind of provoked that. And there were people like Spartan fans like, this is the most disrespectful thing that a player can do. This is classless. Only a Michigan player would do something like this. They're like, hey, you need to relax, first of all. We don't know why he's doing this, so take a step back. And also, like Jared's saying, it's a field. Like, are you really getting that worked up over him scraping his cleats on grass? Right. Like, what are you getting mad about right now? I've never been more nervous. The only thing I was more nervous about, like, at the time, like, in the middle of the game, was when Devin Bush uh, went out with an injury, like, after that happened. It was early. One of his first chances to make, like, a good open field tackle on L.J. Scott. He missed the tackle and fell down and looked like he got his wind knocked out or something and, and was hurt. And that's what I was thinking. I was like... Here's the karma. I, like, if that's what you want to say, I guess. But yeah. uh, it, it wasn't looking good at first. I'll tell you what. I was tensed up big time, and I was nervous the entire day. The only time I started to relax was after People Jones caught that pass, I, I, and I knew the Spartans weren't going to win at that point. 
So when they went up, when Michigan went up 14-7, you were, you were feeling good. Yeah, I was, because they scored their touchdown after a turnover and a trick play, Philly-Philly, but they weren't doing anything against that defense at all. I mean, I did. At 14-7, I, I was breathing easy, and I thought we had it. Yep. You know what I noticed? Everything is not anytime like a quarterback catches a pass, it's automatically like the Philly special. Yep. And you, you call it a Philly-Philly, but it's... <laughs> That's an old man Philly. thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they called it Philly-Philly on the broadcast, too. Oh, they did? Okay. So, yeah. Speaking of the broadcast, uh, Gus Johnson had a pretty good sock call from, from uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown. Patterson. Widening up. He's got receiver. Peoples-Jones down the sideline. Peoples-Jones. Touchdown, Wolverines. 79 yards. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. I did. I will say this about Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's forever. I, I had a lot of negative comments about him last year uh, when this powder just getting off the ground, and I have to come back on him. You guys know me. If, if you make a play in the Michigan State game, you're a legend forever in my eyes. I don't care if he never plays in our staff for Michigan. He did his job. He came here. He did his job in my eyes. He's forever in Michigan folklore. And he's having a nice year, too. He's having a good year. Did you guys know that, that – did you guys pick up on – when he scored the touchdown, the little pose that he did, that it was the Paul Bunyan trophy? I did not till afterwards it was explained, but it was classic. Was That's pretty awesome. cool. I, I like that. That was cool. Kind of goes down with uh, Desmond Howard in the Heisman pose, right? I I guess. Maybe not, not on quite, that level. That's a legendary pose. But, yeah, it, it's up there. So, Jared, you, you said last week on the pod that you, you were covering the Central Michigan-Western Michigan game, so you were going to have to listen to George Blaha on the radio uh, so did you end up having to listen to Blaha, or did, what ended up happening? I, I want to drink Blaha's tears. So, <laughs> and if you guys didn't see it on, tw- on Twitter, <laughs> right after the game, Michigan storms the field, and he gives a classic uh, Blaha cl- call. Michigan storming the field like they just won the Super Bowl, but in actuality, they just beat Michigan State for the third time in 14 years. Oh. <laughs> and Michigan storms the field. Like they've won the national championship. But for the third time only in 11 seasons, they've managed to beat Michigan State. It got my blood boiling when I was driving. Blood boiling. How painful was it to listen to, by the way, the whole broadcast? It was a lot. He he didn't have much excitement talking. And uh, I actually listened to, like, the Michigan, uh, is it Brandstatter? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we ran out of signal on Brandstatter. So then I had to swap to Balblaha for, like, the last uh, quarter. And I loved it. It it was not brutal. Actually, I thought it was going to be brutal. But because Michigan State was just getting their butt whipped, I loved every second of it. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I mean, as bad as Blaha is, as much of a homer he is, I don't know how he could have been a homer during that game because there wasn't a, there basically was nothing good for him to say about Michigan State. Not at all. Did you? Uh, I feel I feel like an idiot saying this. I feel like I'm going to regret saying this, but I honestly this game and let, and I just got to say this again because I really I kind of regret saying it as I'm saying it. You're you're not shedding tears right now, are it's you? A, you sound no, emotional. It's potentially a cold take. I worry about the future of this rivalry. I think Michigan, I think the torch has been passed. I were, I don't want this to go back to what it was, you know, Ted, <laughs> when you were growing up, where it was Michigan winning every year. I'll take it. I'd like, I'd like losing to state. It like, it, it reminds me that I'm alive, like losing to state. Yeah. Like it feels, it's more of a relief when we beat Michigan state than it is like me being super joyous, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I was going to throw this in here too, to kind of go along with it. I, I liked everything about this game. The one thing I didn't like was Chase Winovich repeating the same Mike Hart thing. I mean, come up with something new. I mean, what do you guys think about that, number one? I loved it. I thought it was great. As well. Okay. So you, it's two to one on that one. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what I really love, and this just almost makes me orgasm, guys. I love, <laughs> I love seeing – Harbaugh and D'Antonio going at it, man. It's just incredible. It's an old cliche for sure, Bow and Woody, but you got D'Antonio and Harbaugh, and Harbaugh's firing off shot after shot. It's awesome. Now, does that orgasm require uh, Viagra, or are you... Uh, That's Cialis I use, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, the point is, like, I mean, I think I I I disagree with you, Jared, that I think as long as D'Antonio's around, to Ted's point... I think this rivalry is always going to be strong, and I think it's one of those things that I, I laugh whenever I hear Michigan fans 
try and puff their chest out or try and act arrogant and say that uh, we don't even consider Michigan State a rival. Are you kidding me? Do you see those players on the field? Do you see, like, Harbaugh and D'Antonio going at it after the game? And you see, like, Twitter, I mean, social media, Michigan and Michigan State fans are still going back and forth, what, three days after the game, four days after the game or whatever? Like, this is a rivalry. It's just Michigan wants Michigan fans, a lot of them, want to act like they're better than Michigan State when the fact of the matter is Michigan State's basically dominated the last, whatever, 10, 12 years. So winning one game, this was great. Michigan dominated Michigan State. It was fantastic. Michigan's program looks like they're more on the, the upswing than Michigan State's does. But it's still a rivalry as long as Mark D'Antonio is there, in my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned the I love. Yeah, it's still. I see. I, that's. I hope so. I actually hope so. I hope the Michigan State is not dead. They're not. You know? They're not. In regards to the social media afterward, my favorite thing of the entire thing was Michigan had defensive lineman who uh, tw- who posted on Instagram 15 yards rushing of like a picture of, like the whole whole defensive line, and then he tagged all the Michigan State offensive linemen. <laughs> and it's and it's funny to me because my brother uh, Johnny he actually did the same exact thing. His senior year of uh, high school basketball, and they they like made like a miraculous comeback against Perry, and there was like a fight in the locker room afterward. <laughs> he like said thanks for like you probably still find it on his Twitter, but he said like thanks for the dub, and he tagged like the entire Perry team. It blew up on Twitter, and I just, it just <laughs> reminded me of that. Good memories. <laughs> no, that was, that was awesome, and I mean, I do think there's there's something to. I, I don't know. I, I think D'Antonio. We've talked about it on this podcast before. D'Antonio is a really good coach. It's not like he's. He's just going to ride off into the sunset, I don't think. I think as long as he's there, I, I do think they need to do something, though, because it does look like they're they're not on the same level as Michigan right now, especially talent-wise. But there's something, too. I mean, I looked at some numbers, and, you know, Michigan Michigan State fans like to throw out the, you know, they won 8 out of 10, and, you know, basically, I just said it, basically dominated the last 10, 12 years or whatever. But, you know, when I think about it, Against any coach not named Rich Rodriguez or Brady Hoke, D'Antonio's only two and three, and one of those wins was the crazy 2015, the the flukiest play in all of college football history, you know, at the big house, the trouble with the snap. So, you know, everyone was dominating Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke, basically. So so if that's what you're going to hang your hat on, I don't know if that's something that you should do so much. And, you know, every year since 2014 – their point totals have gone down, Michigan State's on offense. So every year they've progressively gotten worse, capped off by this weekend where this past weekend where they couldn't even gain 100 yards of offense. So I do wonder, I, I think as long as he's there, they're going to be tough and it might go back to where they win every two or three years or something like that. But they're going to have to do something because their, their offense, like, yeah, they threw out the, the Philly special and – they always, everyone thinks it's awesome when they pull the little giants or the fake field goal or the, the fake punt, you know. But other than that, I mean, their offense is pretty basic. Yeah, and you know, you were talking about social media, and which, by the way, you do a great job with our Twitter site. You had a you had a stat page showing the stats of that game, and they were just mind-blowing, such as, you know, 0 for 12 on third down the Spartans were, and Lewerke 5 of 25 passing. But back to what I was saying on social media, boy, you should have heard, you know, I work in the Lansing area, you should have heard the local MSU slappies on talk radio over there, man. I, all the whining about, oh, Lewerke was hurt, well... Hell, if he was hurt, why was he playing? You know, if he's hurt that bad, you shouldn't even be in the game. I mean, they have excuses for everything. An excuse for everything, and with that, it doesn't seem like they're on the same page because D'Antonio said he was hurt, didn't practice all week, but their offensive coordinator said he did practice all week. Yeah. And then when Lewerke was asked about it, he didn't even say, like, yes, I did, or no, I did not practice. He said, Coach D'Antonio said I didn't practice, so I guess I didn't practice all week. <laughs> so it's like, well, which is it? Like like you said, if he's hurt, don't play. Right. If you're if he's out there playing, then you can't use that as an excuse. Well, and obviously he was having a terrible first half. Why wouldn't you go with Lombardi right to start the second half, right, if he's hurt? Yep. And did, you know who we, why we won this game? Tell us. Braylon Edwards. <laughs> His comments at the start of the year about how bad this offensive line was and how he basically, he basically like crucified like Caesar, Caesar uh, Ruiz. Is that his name, correct? Yeah, Matt? Caesar Ruiz. Yeah. I forgot that all about that. This offensive, line. Yep. this offensive line has been great ever since our first game. And as a result, like I got to I got to walk my way back on that again. Like you proved yourself against Michigan State. You're you're in Michigan folklore in my eyes forever. So Karan Higdon, he is a workhorse back. I've officially changed my mind. Well, you know, and the nice thing, guys, I mean, they got every aspect, offense and defense, special, other than kicking right now. I don't know if we got a problem there or not. 
it might have just been the field conditions, but uh, they're they're clicking on all cylinders, and it's it's scary, and it 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 makes me even more nervous now. We got the bye week, but then Nittany Lions coming up in two weeks. I don't know. Hopefully, they can keep I mean, it rolling. If, if you're paying attention at all to any you know talk radio or TV shows or whatever, everyone's high on Michigan right now. Oh yeah, and it's cool to see. It, you know, it makes me excited. It, it's good to see Michigan back in that national you know spotlight or whatever you want to say. But yeah, I definitely agree. It makes me a little nervous because. The schedule sets up great. They have two weeks to prepare for Penn State, who Penn State's still good, and then they have two kind of should-be-easier games, Indiana Rutgers, right. before they go to Columbus and play Ohio State. So, like, their schedule sets up fantastic. They control their own destiny. All they have to do is win out. They'll go to Indy for the Big Ten Championship. So they, there's no reason this year, with the mess that's going on with Ohio State and Urban Meyer, you know, Penn State's got a couple losses. Michigan State, obviously, a couple. Like, there's no reason Michigan should not be Indy, in Indy for the Big Ten Championship this year. Oh, and, and if they run the table, including the Big Ten Championship in Indy, they're a stone-cold lock, if you want to use a cliche there. They're in the playoff, right? Yeah, I, I think 100%. I mean, obviously, we don't know how everything else is going to shake out. But with, with their only loss being in Notre Dame, one score on the road at Notre Dame, and it looks like Notre Dame is – going to be at least a, a potential playoff team if they run the table like you said and are a one-loss Big Ten championship team and we all know how this works it's mostly about money and ratings TV ratings and who's going to travel and Michigan is one of the best at that they travel oh yeah watch Michigan and they, they you make money when you broadcast a Michigan football game they got the greatest helmets in all the land, the greatest fight exactly. song. I mean, come on, go blue. And But the only thing that could be a little sliver of a, of a negative is Ohio State getting pounded by Purdue. That didn't really – that didn't help Michigan any. Before we get into uh, – I wanted to, to kind of reassure you guys on why we're going to beat Penn State. Did you guys see Don Brown's comments about Penn State? I did. He has not slept since every morning he wakes up. Thinking about how Penn State put up so many points on us last year, he wakes up in the middle of the night. He, they are going to be ready to play against Penn State. I that sold me that one comment sold me. Doctor Bliss is an absolute genius. But as for Ohio State, and this is the one thing that when we'll get into the X's and O's of the game, but I don't get how people are saying like or people are like calling for Urban Meyer's job. Both fans of Ohio State and people who aren't fans of Ohio State. Matt, I, I you you've been all over Twitter. You've been you've been pushing my buttons on Twitter this week. I want you to. You're doing your job, Matt. Yeah, you're doing your job. You're creating content. I like it. How can you? You honestly see a a world where they fire Urban Meyer? I don't. I don't know if it's going to be a firing. I don't think they would ever fire Urban Meyer unless more scandal stuff comes out. But I definitely don't think he's going to be back. There was. I I don't know if this is. If you want to call this inside information, but uh, Philip Fulmer, he was on uh, the Feinbaum show last week, and a couple other guys were on the Feinbaum show last week. And during commercial breaks, multiple times, Feinbaum was talking to some guys, and Urban Meyer came up a few times. And with a few different guys, they were all saying that they didn't think Meyer would be back because they got the feeling that when this scandal came out, they basically just put a Band-Aid on it with the suspension that he had and everything just to get through, through this year. And Urban Meyer, he's already talking about health issues, especially if they don't make the playoff and win the Big Ten that they, they would see that Urban Meyer's gone, like the writing's on the wall, that you know it's going to be like a, a mutual resignation or something like that from Urban Meyer. Yeah, I 100% agree with that scenario. See, but how, like, it's like, how could they, if it, so it, I guess if you're saying, even if, obviously people would understand that even if he resigns, it's basically a firing. Like, what type of precedent are they setting at Ohio State that, you can go a year and like, and because you lose a game and you don't perform at a national championship level, like we're gonna now we're gonna get rid of you, even well, though we had all this stuff in the past. But don't you think it's a lot of the behind the scenes things with the scandal and uh, other things that have been going on with Myers there? And I, and I think frankly, I think his health situation might be a little bit worse than we know. I mean, that's a lot of stress. And keep in mind, he did walk away from another high profile job for a year, didn't he? Because of health yeah. issues. Yeah, quote-unquote unquote, quote, unquote right. I don't know. I, I thought that was shady because there was a lot of garbage going on behind the scenes with Florida, a lot of kids getting kicked out of school, a lot of even jail time, a lot of his players, and then all of a sudden he has health issues, and then when the Ohio State job comes open, all of a sudden he's healthy and he can take <laughs> the Ohio State job. I don't know. I, I, I think 
I think Urban Meyer's as as scummy as they come as a college coach. So I mean, if he's saying his health issues okay, then you know you have to take him at his word. But I don't know how good is his word with the scandal that we just saw come out. Right. Now, now, Matt, if you had read his book above the line, you would know that he changed his principles. He was he became more of a family man, changing oh, right. both mentally yeah, and his, physically. Yeah, his his book. I'm sure he wrote every word of that book. <laughs> but no. So you guys are telling me that if they, so, so let's say so. Here's a hypothetical for you. They win the rest of their games. And they they win the Big Ten. I don't know whether they win or not in the college football playoff. But let's say they're Big Ten champions. You're saying that they're gonna they're gonna resign? Like he's gonna be forced to resign after this year? I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen. I just, I just know off of what people have been saying and radio hosts that I've been listening to or whatever. But it seems like, and there's articles that have been coming out the last couple of days that there's still a lot of friction between the president of Ohio State, the AD, and Urban Meyer. They're they're just not getting along. And when you see like some of the performances they've had, it doesn't seem like the team is as good. Or they're not clicking like they used to. So it just seems like the writing is on the wall that this is going to be the last year for Meyer. I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, it could change, Jared. It could change, but things no, are... I, and that's what I'm saying. It's going to, not to cut you off, but it's going to change. Like, Ohio State's going to roll this week, and then we're going to forget about this. That we ever, It's kind of like with Jim Harbaugh, like when we lose to Notre Dame, every time we lose a game with Jim Harbaugh, yeah, it's a storyline for a week, and then they roll the next game, and then we forget about it. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, usually winning cares all. I mean, that's why right now no one's talking about Jim Harbaugh's job, like you're saying, because they're, they're winning right now. So, yeah, if they run the table, Ohio State, win the Big Ten and make the playoff and win a national championship, then, yeah, maybe they bring him back. It just it just seems like everything's setting up that this is going to be his last year in, in Columbus. Well, here's for perspective. Uh, Eastern Michigan ought to be in contention for national champion, right? I mean, they beat Purdue in <laughs> Purdue. Yeah. I was watching it. I had money on that game, so I was watching every second of that game. Purdue had like five fumbles. Game five <laughs> lost fumbles. That's a, that's what no one like. Uh, like it was an absolute like rain fest. Right. And no one no one knows the whole backstory to that game. But, yeah, that wasn't quite as like dot like a Eastern dominated win. A win's as, a win. Like, the box score would appear. Would you you feel good if, about Michigan State beating Purdue with the way that Purdue just put on a show against Ohio State? Well, they opened as like two as Michigan State opened as two point favorites at home. Uh, I I honestly think this is Michigan's. This is just going to be a classic D'Antonio bounce back game. I really do. Purdue. Let's see. I mean, they had every like it was a perfect storm against Ohio State. The whole Tyler Trent story, the big story on game day, kind of the night game, right? And I just they're not gonna they're gonna I, I just don't think they're gonna be able to stay up. And like you said, they lost to Eastern Michigan. Like, they had one good game. Like, let's not crown them as, as – some people are saying they have a shot to win the Big Ten. No chance. Absolutely no chance. They're going to they're gonna lose I mean, they, Michigan State this week. They have a shot to, to win the West. To win the Big Ten West. I mean, yeah, the Big Ten West is up for grabs right now. They're half game out. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have a legitimate shot to win the Big Ten West. As good of a shot as anyone does because it's not like Wisconsin has looked all that great or it's not like, you know, Northwestern has looked all that great. It's weak. God. It, it, the, the Big Ten West is the biggest joke uh, of any of any like su- conference subdivision in all of like Power Five. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good right now because yeah, yeah, Northwestern has a legitimate chance to win it. What made them split it up? How they split it up with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, like all on the same like all on the same side. Well, I think they tried Penn to do State, it because like, remember it was legends and leaders. Yeah, and it was more like evenly split, I guess. But by changing it to East and West, they did try to do it like geographically like actually make it east and west as best as they could and it just happens to be that most most of the good teams are more in eastern on the eastern side of the Big 10 but i mean the SEC is east and west and there's no geographical split for the SEC i think i think they need to make a change cuz yeah the the Big 10 west is kind of a joke yeah it's it's similar though to the SEC isn't it i mean you still got Wisconsin really in the in the West. That's usually pretty good. But what's in the East for uh, for the SEC other than Georgia? Uh, I mean, Georgia. I'm to remember, I, I mean, like Tennessee like is over there. Uh, Kentucky's playing pretty good this Kentucky's year, but playing that's pretty well. The, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a little more heavy on the SEC West. Right. But, yeah. Right now, the the Big Ten West doesn't look very good. No. I would say to comment that like Alabama is basically. I would say it's Alabama and then all the rest of the SEC teams. So it's like just be, if you threw Alabama on the other side, you'd be saying the same exact thing about uh, the West. Would you not, Ted? Uh, I don't know. LSU, Auburn, I mean, they're perennially great teams, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, LSU, Auburn, a and pretty good. They got Jimbo now. Yeah. 
Florida's over there on the east. I forgot about them. Yeah, they're top ten right now. That's true. Um, so, so yeah, I, I feel like the SEC maybe is a little more balanced, and it, it doesn't help that you know Nebraska is over there on the Big Ten West, and they're just down right now. So, I mean, oh, eventually maybe they'll be back to being solid. Iowa's over there. They're always an eight or nine win team, you know. So it. I don't know. Hopefully, maybe it balances out a little bit. All I can say is, go blue. Keep running it, boys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, you know, I would if I could ask some Michigan State fans if they could like take a step back for a second and you know cool down maybe a little bit and ask them like, do you really feel like D'Antonio is the guy that you know that is, is your guy going forward to keep it to keep it a rivalry like we were talking about with Harbaugh? Like, what do you think their confidence level would be because? They actually, like, if you look at a lot of the statistics for Mark D'Antonio, he has, like, two or three really good seasons. And as I've pointed out, like, ten times, he dominated Michigan when Richard and Hoke was there. Otherwise, he hasn't really dominated Michigan. Their defense is supposed to be really good. They're, they're pretty good. But like we talked about earlier, ever since that no-fly zone, their pass defense hasn't been very good. They're supposed to be number one on rush defense, and Michigan basically rushed for, like, 200 yards on them. So, like, is Antonio like as good as advertised? He had a couple good seasons, but what do you think their confidence level would be, or what would yours be if you were a Michigan State fan? I would be supremely confident. I mean, Michigan State is, should not be a national program in football, and he made them that. Like it, this is the, this is the definition of a basketball school, and it's only because they have a good coach like Antonio that they're even relevant. Like we said, like we saw, like before, like last like one hundred years, they were horrible. Michigan just dominated them every year. As soon as Antonio comes in, it changes around. I think anyone is stupid to, and Matt, here we go. We're kind of button heads today. I feel like anyone's stupid to question Antonio, one, as a coach, if you're a Michigan State fan, or if you're just a football fan in general. Like, what he has done there, you can't argue against stats or no stats. Yeah, and you got to throw out there, too, he has come up with some really big wins against ranked opponents, you know, with some big plays, a couple big wins against Notre Dame. You know, he's dominated Michigan. I mean, yeah, maybe the thing, maybe things will change a little bit, but they're not going to change. We've talked about it before. I mean, D'Antoni was there for as long as he wants to be, unless he has back-to-back three-win seasons, and you know, and then the Boo Birds come out. But I, I think he's pretty solid there. Pretty solid, but I, I almost feel like maybe he set their expectations at an unrealistic level because I do feel like they're more Wisconsin. Iowa level, absolutely, and then constantly being at like Ohio State's level or something like that. I don't know, I, I just think that it, I I can't keep saying it enough that I feel like you know people hang their head on Michigan State fans. They talk about Michigan fans living in the past when you talk about the overall record or you know Michigan dominating like through the '80s and '90s, early 2000s. But then they constantly want to bring up that you know we won eight out of the last ten. So it's like, well, what do you want? Can you not talk about the past, or can you? Because if you don't want to talk about the past. <laughs> Michigan's won two out of the last three. So, like, what do you really want to talk about? I like it. It's good debate, that's for sure. And we know where you stand, Matt. I I, I think D'Antonio's a great coach. I've said that uh, many times. I think he's really good. You know, in in big games, he always seems to come up with those big wins. I just – I don't think he's as great of a coach as some Michigan State fans make him out to be. I I get what you're saying, but, I mean, when it's all said and done, what's Mark D'Antonio's current record against Michigan? Like, eight and three. I think it's eight and four now, yeah. So he could I, he could lose four more, and he'd still, at the doormat of a program that Michigan State is, be at be even with Michigan in his career. I think that's incredible. Well, I know, guys, we've we've had an incredible weekend with Michigan beating Michigan State. Any final thoughts in college football before we move on to the pro game? I am curious, though, like the, to to the point I was trying to say like earlier um, about the Mich- the the Michigan fans who try and make it seem like. Michigan State isn't a rivalry, um, and they use it as, like, Ohio State's our number one rival. And then they some of them even say, like, Notre Dame's our number two rival. Yeah, right. And then it's Michigan State. Maybe, like, they try and – I don't know if they're trying to, like, knock Michigan State down or something by saying that. It's clear that Michigan State is one of Michigan's biggest rivals. I just think it's funny when, when they constantly say that Ohio State is Michigan's biggest rival – when they like throw out the records and stuff against Michigan State, because for the last basically 15 years, Ohio State has flat out dominated Michigan right. at rivalry. So it's like if you're going to sit here and say that Michigan State's not a rival because Michigan overall has dominated them, how are you going to say that Ohio State is still a rival because Michigan hasn't done basically anything against Ohio State in recent memory? Yeah, and and how can you know we live in this state, and how can Michigan State not be in the top two? 
of Michigan's rivals. How how can you put Notre Dame ahead of Michigan State? And and, uh, and you guys know where I stand on the whole. Like they're basically all I live, breathe, eat, and sleep uh, Michigan State. And this just kind of like proved it to me even more. Like when Ohio State losses, and like it really didn't like bother me or didn't like make me that excited or I really could care less like that they lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it just whereas the Michigan, whenever Michigan State loses, you know, I feel like Michigan fans rejoice. I feel, and I feel like you saw it a lot on Twitter where people were tweeting like, "Oh, what a great day it was! Michigan wins, Michigan State loses, Ohio State loses." But I really just don't think people actually like believe that. They just sort of thought like, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to think." Yeah, I actually, I, it was okay to see Ohio State lose to me. I don't have any any love for Ohio State, obviously, but I prefer to have them undefeated when Michigan goes down there and kicks their ass exactly. in the horseshoe. Exactly. <laughs> especially especially if it does shake out. We don't know how it's going to shake out. Right. Especially if it does that this is Urban Meyer's last year at Ohio State. we got to send him off with a loss. Amen, brother. That would be incredible. That, that would be what a narrative that would be. Well, you it's know, like he's, he's canned right after the game. <laughs> Hopefully Matt will be in town because we talked about maybe stopping over to Rivals Tap House and Grill and maybe recording a podcast there. I want to tell our listeners a little bit about Rivals Tap House and Grill. It's our local spot to meet up with our friends, catch your favorite sporting events on the TVs there. 21 big screen big screen TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials, including tremendous burgers, wings, and pizza. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. And you can also follow them on on Facebook. Well, fellas, uh, we're on a little roll here football-wise. Uh, the Lions, how about a running game, huh? Yeah, I mean, on Johnson, we talked about it, I don't know what it was, four or five pods ago. Jared, you were saying just mail it in. Hand him the ball every single time just to get him to 100 yards. And now it's like now it's like almost, hey, whatever, we're going to have a 100-yard back every game, right? First, first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, look, on Johnson, you are the man. Uh, the thing that worries me about this Lions team, obviously we have a must, uh, what I would consider a must-win game next week for Seahaw- versus yeah. Seahawks. I agree. But the public, opinion, the public opinion is now on the Lions' side. And as True. we know as Lions fans, that's a big-time red alert. It never <laughs> goes well. It never goes well when the public opinion is on our side. I feel like the, I mean, People are starting to buy into the lines a little bit, but I just I looked at the power rankings. Not that the power rankings really ever mean anything, but like the Lions are anywhere between like 15 and 20 on like different websites power rankings. So like if you want to call them the experts, whatever they they're not like totally buying in on the Lions yet. But I do get what you're saying. Some you know fans and some other people are starting to believe a little bit in the Lions. Well, I think they've turned the corner a little bit from having the rookie head coach, you know, learning a new system with him. I've even noticed uh his demeanor is a lot different than that opening opening night, you know, where I wanted his head out of there right then and there. But yep. things change, you know, you notice he's now he's now uh when when the defense is on the sideline, the offense is on the field. You know, Jim Bob's got it under control with Stafford, and and Patricia's back there coaching up the defense, which is really what he knows. I mean, I'm kind of liking the feel for what I see. And obviously, they got a running game that's going to help their their passing game. They got three of the best receivers in the league, and uh, you know, this team could do pretty well. Their offensive line even seems to be much improved. Yeah, the thing about the line though is like we're one in, and that's what it always is with this Lions team. We're like one injury away on that offensive line. That's from, true. From everything just crumbling, and and in regards to Patricia, yeah, he looks a lot better. I think it really is just the fact that he swapped his hat around from backwards to frontwards. <laughs> just like it was like a lobotomy for his brain. Yeah, I think something that's maybe not being talked about a ton is because he's not really like lighting up the stat sheet is Stafford, ever since that first game where he threw four picks against the Jets, Stafford actually has been really good. You know, he's been, I think he's got like 11 touchdowns and only one interception since that first game. Right. That's pretty good. And, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not lighting it up. He's not throwing for 400 yards a game. But he's taking care of the ball, and they've, they've found a running back. Ever since they decided, whoever decided or whatever, to make carry on the feature back, it's been a good, a good deal because they've been playing well. Well, I think they heard our podcast and took our advice. That's what it is. I, th- I think so, because ever since then, Carrion's been the guy. Even Blunt. I mean, he's he's played well in his spots now that he's getting his chance, you know? I mean, it's not bad. No, I, I think that's uh, – we, we talked about it. I think that's that's the best way to do it. Blunt, he's still a solid back. He's a veteran back. He's a big guy. But he's not going to carry the ball like 20 times a game. Bring him in for that 8 to 10 carries a game on the goal line – 
And, you know, that that's the way to use them, I think, and that's what they've been doing. And they got some decent play from tight end, which was nice to see since Ebron's been doing pretty well down in Indy. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is hilarious how Ebron's been dominating. But what what has happened to Ziggy Anza? Is he dead? Is he injured? Is he coming back soon? That's a what's great the... question. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it seems like every week it's been like he's a game-time decision or something like that. But I, I basically have, like, just given up. I don't think he's ever going to play again. I mean, and that that's actually one area that the Lions have been surprisingly good. Their defensive line is actually playing pretty well. Yeah, they are. What's what is the problem with Anza? Is it is? It, it's been every week they say he's a game time decision, and then they just keep pushing it back. Yeah, but what's what the injury? Has he got a got a bad calf? Does he have a hamstring? What, what's what's the story? I think it's a shoulder. Shoulder. I feel like that at least was one thing. I don't. I don't know. It seems maybe it's something different every week. Who knows? Huh. Well, I agree with what what Jared said. It is a must win against the Seahawks at Ford Field on Sunday. If they win that one, and right now, I mean, nobody else has really taken charge in their division in the North. I mean, it's anything goes, right? Yeah, just just to clarify, it is a shoulder for Ansa. Okay. So who knows what's going on there? But yeah, like to your point, I, the Lions right now are only one game back of the Vikings, and the Packers are above them. But we we know, I mean, the Lions beat the Packers. Rodgers isn't really healthy, but he's still Rodgers. So, right, I think the Lions have as good a shot as anyone anyway in the division to win it. Yeah, and if we can if we can win this week, the Packers play the Rams, so I would suspect that the Packers are going to lose to the Rams this week, but you never know with Rodgers. True. And then we play the Vikings the week after that. We could be in two weeks' time, we could be sitting alone at the top of the standings. I like And this. the Bears after that. But most likely what will happen, we will be oh, sitting at 3-5. and five. Two weeks from right. now. Oh, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's fun to get the expectations up, but Ted, you know better than any of us to, to temper the expectations a little bit with the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you got that right, man. I should break out my since 57 jersey, I'll tell you. Right. Been a lot of heartache throughout the times. Anything else in NFL football, Lions, we want to get into, boys? So one one more thing to mention about the Lions. You talk, We were talking about the running game, and on a previous pod we talked about the 91 team with Barry that they went to the NFC championship game. Right. I did see that they, they averaged something like on Sunday, they averaged something like seven point yards per carry or something like that. The last time that they averaged some, uh, a number like that in a game was 1991 when they went to the NFC championship game. So uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if that's foreshadowing or not, but Hey man, I'll, I'll take whatever I can. <laughs> that's why we love the stat man from ESPN. Yeah, man. And, that, and that is such a like uh, obscure stat. <laughs> like, I, you could probably find I found something after the Jets game that was similar to that '91 team, like after Game One or something. I don't care, Matt. You keep bringing them up, man. I love that stuff. I, I'll, I'll take anything I can to like give give yeah. some positive vibes going. You know. <laughs> I agree. That is a good. Can we? You know what we do need? We need like a revisionist history on what the heck happened against the Jets. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, we did a Malcolm Gladwell podcast where he gives a revisionist history of that game. It does not make sense how we just went and got absolutely obliterated. Like, was it just the fact that we had our signs stolen? Uh, that, a rookie head coach, they weren't they weren't into his system yet? I don't know. I mean, you almost have to throw it at that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy because, yeah, it was a Monday night game at home, and you would think that would be like, you know, they'd be amped up. It was a rookie quarterback right. for the Jets. Yeah, that, that game, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know what happened. And that, It'll come back to haunt them. Like you said, Matt, I've seen a lot of games. They're going to miss out by a game. I hate it. <laughs> oh, man, killing me. They finish up with the Vikings and Packers the last two games of the year. Oh. So, right, that, that might come down to the, the division right there. Just take it one one part. Remember what we wanted just a few short weeks ago. We just wanted the Thanksgiving Day game where we're in the playoff hunt. We're getting that as of now, so yeah. let's just we're, we should be thankful. All right, well, we'll have something to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, then, right? Next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Fred, Matt, Jerry, how you doing tonight? Where, where, where? Where do I start? I have opinions and thoughts on games that occurred over the weekend, and when you break them down by the storyline, it sounds like an elementary school playground fight. They locked arms and pulled his headset off. He's bush league. He took his cleats and he dug up our turf. Ah, 
all right, all right, enough of my little imitations of a baby. How about my thoughts on the MSU-Michigan game? Well, once again, Michigan was facing a 12-man MSU defensive unit. But, Jack, there are only 11 players on defense. I know, I know. But for the past three years, fellas, the 12th man defeating Michigan is Michigan. This game had no business knotted up at seven apiece, but Michigan's 12th man showed up and he fumbled the ball deep in his own territory, gift wrapping a touchdown for MSU Philadelphia Eagle style. Michigan's strength is in their defense and they showed up big time as they have all year. But what scares the hell out of me, fellas, is their kicker, Alahaja Sheik. I'm not sure how to address a kicker's confidence, but he better get it quick because I guarantee you that he will be called upon in a big moment between now and the end of the season. Think Ohio State. The question is, will Harbaugh have the cojones to run him out for a 40 or 50-yard field goal attempt with a fourth and two late in the game, or will he be forced to go for touchdowns? In my opinion, he will need the confidence that Alahaji Sheik needs to freaking win. I was trying to rhyme Alahaji Sheik with freak, but anyway. All right, my thoughts on the pregame shenanigans between MSU and Michigan. Who knows who's to blame, guys, for the pregame chain of death? I mean, even Harbaugh himself said he wasn't on the field and heard it through another person. Clearly, the Wolverines were aware of the lame MSU tradition, but they did not want to look weak walking away from the human chain as it was marching down the field, and they did not want to allow MSU to proceed unimpeded. Conversely, MSU did not want to appear weak by stopping the chain in order to have the Michigan coaches escort the few Wolverine players, which included Michigan linebacker Reggie Bush. So flip a coin as far as who's to blame. But fellas, it may surprise you to know that I'm disappointed big time with Jim Harbaugh's reaction to the pregame shenanigans and the win itself over rival MSU. Sure, I love controversy, and this episode added another squirt of hot sauce to an already spicy rivalry. But come on, Jim. You accuse Coach D'Antonio and his Spartans as bush leaguers, yet your own player was acting like a fifth grader kicking and chewing up expensive turf. I feel that his own player's immature reaction, in my opinion, eliminated Harbaugh's right to call MSU classless. Furthermore, if you are truly the big brother in this rivalry, as Michigan linebacker Winovich sarcastically taunted post-game, then as a bigger, stronger, better, older, more tradition-rich program brother that you should not feel the need to taunt. Take it from Barry Sanders. Score a touchdown and hand the ball to the referee. The taunts by Winovich and the whining emanating from Harbaugh's lips following a big game victory demonstrates to me that Michigan is still a little bit insecure and MSU is firmly planted as a sliver under his and their skin. So clearly, MSU is winning the war even though Michigan won this battle. My point is that the University of Michigan is a legendary football program and they should just play ball and let their speaking or playing speak for themselves. Harbaugh should have simply focused on the win and perhaps even taken the high road by apologizing for Bush tearing up the field and let the game dominated by his team and the final score speak for itself. As you young guys, Jerry, like to say, scoreboard. So let's face it, Jim, you and your team blink, 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 and you were not smart, smart from the start. But a hell of a win and a hell of a defensive effort. Go blue. One short comment, by the way, on Purdue's monster upset over the hated Buckeyes. First of all, I wish the Ohio State Buckeyes would not have defeated uh, would not have been defeated, I should say, guys. I think psychologically it'd be better for Michigan to play a higher-ranked Buckeye team in November. My question to you is, how much of an impact did the announcement of Boza sitting out the season have on the Buckeye team? 
Was the loss coincidental following that announcement? I don't know. They didn't simply lose, they were humiliated. So we're going to just have to see how Woody Hayes rallies the troops. And as far as for the lovable Lions, my hat will be on backwards all week because of the big win by the Lions. You guys know I've been hard on Coach Bobby Ross, and justifiably so, because they looked and played like a poorly coached team early in the season. But I have to say, the Lions look like Coach Patricia on the sidelines, cool and collected. For the Lions to win an away game in Miami with a methodical approach on both sides of the ball was highly impressive. The Lions offense kept the Dolphins on their heels or fins or whatever all day, and the Lions defense looked very competent. It annoys me each year. I don't know about you guys. At least one game, the Lions have a great game against a weak team, and the players celebrate on the field like they just won the stupid Super Bowl. But Sunday, they looked, dare I say, like a Belichick coach team. Very business-like during and after the game. Keep up the good work, Lions. I like what I'm seeing. And last but not least, a baseball note. Tonight, we have the Brooklyn Dodgers at Fenway Park facing Carlton Fisk and Mookie Betts of the Red Sox. And you can bet that the Red Sox are simply too good, and I expect them to win in six games, fellas. The Dodgers are led by perennial all-star pitcher, uh, I'm forgetting his name. He's, let's see, he's left-handed. His name starts with a K. Koufax! Yes, Andy Koufax. The Dodgers will win with him on the mound, but the Sox will prevail and uh, so, speaking of baseball, guys, it's like apple pie, All-American, Chevrolet, all that good stuff. And I can smell my wife's Jackie's homemade apple pie right now. She's making it. I'm going to head out to the Weber Grill and uh, roast me some hot dogs in anticipation of the World Series. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Take care. Well, do you guys know the Corona Connection is a publication founded to create a platform for Corona residents and students to connect? Yeah, that's true. View the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. And also, speaking of Corona, join the Corona Public Schools winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% make it their school of choice, whether young or old. It's great to be gold. All right, guys, how do we want to finish up the last segment here on the podcast? Well, Hoops is in action, right? Have you guys been paying attention to the Pistons and the Lakers and all that going on? A little bit. I know the most recent thing I saw was uh, LeBron uh, not coming through in the clutch again from the free throw line. Yeah, I saw I, I saw some numbers bringing, bringing stats up again that he's actually like like one of the worst historically in clutch time at the free throw line. Uh, you know, when, when games are on the line. So so that kind of isn't a surprise. It It is kind of annoying because I used to laugh at that. I used to love it when LeBron would choke down the stretch in a big game, and now he's on my favorite team, so it's really <laughs> annoying. But I, I did see right after that game, you knew what all the Lakers fans were going to do, or at least a lot of them. They were going to start – they were going to go right to Kobe. Right. And right after that game ended, right after he missed those free throws and, and the game ended, Kobe was trending on Twitter. And you just knew that, like, the first bad thing that LeBron did, the first time he missed a game winner, the first time he had a bad game, people were going to go right to Kobe. And it's it's kind of a shame because, you know, I'm I'm the biggest Kobe fan. You know, we, we know that on this podcast, but you, you need to just move on. Kobe's career is done. LeBron's on the team now. You need to just appreciate what he brings to the table. But, I agree with that. But you do got to say the negative to LeBron James, who obviously is one of the top two or three players of all time. You didn't see Jordan or Kobe or a couple of the other superstars like Bird miss free throws in the clutch. They tentatively, or they most of the time shot at least 80% from the line in those clutch situations where James does struggle. That's a that's a blatant fact. Yep. Now, Matt, I need to get, like, can you let me into your psyche? Like, as somebody who was a big-time <laughs> Kobe fan, who has always defended Kobe against LeBron, Yep. And you're a Laker fan as well. Like what honestly like how do you view LeBron and the Lakers? I have to like stumble to this answer cuz I'm almost still like on the fence about it. You know, I even on this podcast when I've obviously been critical of LeBron, I'm not one of those that's like he sucks, you know, like just because I'm not a fan of LeBron, I can still appreciate that. Yeah, I think he's still top 5 all time. He he's incredible. He's really good. So I it excites me that he's on the Lakers cuz he instantly makes the Lakers a 
playoff contending team anyway, especially with these young guys. So I do like it. You know, the, the games are exciting again because he's really good. So the other players, you know, pick up their play. So that's great. But it does kind of bother me because all the stuff that I used to like that was negative about his game, now he's on my team. So, I, you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating in that sense. By the way, I got – Sorry to cut you off, but I just had to get this comment out as well. That how about Ted's comment? Yeah, uh, just completely a wide sweeping comment. Yeah, MJ, Larry Bird, they never miss those late game free throws. And I just I know probably if I if I YouTubed it, I would find one like right now. Oh, do it! I dare you. And there, there, it is funny. I'm not I'm not saying not nothing about Bird or MJ, but people did immediately. There was a game in like it was like 2006 or maybe 2007 or something that Kobe did miss a couple free throws late in a game, and it was, like, the only time in his career that he did or something. So immediately when, when people were saying, like, Kobe would never miss those free throws, you know, obviously people then brought that video back. Well, you, so, I mean, it, I, I guess it did happen once. But You heard me say 80%, too. I didn't say they always made the shots. <laughs> exactly. No one, made a, no one makes 100% of them. Everyone misses some. Even MJ, all those MJ stands out there who just love MJ, <laughs> he did actually miss some shots every once in a while. By the way, I want to throw this out there. Since I was gone last week on vacation, I thought you guys did a fantastic job with the podcast. The guests were uh, top-notch, but I do have a, a – uh, a comment about Micah, Kobe, maybe in the top thirty all time. I mean, you would let him off easy, Matt. I got my blood boiling. Holy cow! I hundred percent disagree with that. I think Jared would probably disagree with that. No, you either know basketball or you don't, fellas. There's, <laughs> you got, there's a there was a couple of guys. There's one. There was two. So let me just put it this way: of the two sides of that argument. One of the sides is a NBA uh, employee who has followers such as Mark Cuban, Worldwide Wob, Barstool Big Cat, and the other one is <laughs> and uh, is a is a rival to Hondo Carpenter. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, I'll take sides with uh, the guy who has Mark Cuban uh, as a follower. Oh, what a dagger by the youngster! I'll remember that at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Switching the topic, we've talked enough about that. Did uh, did you buy your Mega Millions ticket? I did. I, I picked up uh, five, I guess. I $10 worth. So I, I picked some up. Jared? $10 flush. Yeah, I only got $3. I'm cheaper, but I picked up one for each granddaughter and one for the wife and I. How do you like that? That works. Did yeah. you do easy picks? Did you pick your own numbers? No, or? I did the easy picks. Yeah. Probably this will be the last podcast I'll be a part of, guys. Hey, if, so if I never hear from you again, uh, I will just assume you won, and I'll that, that'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> What's that, Jared? What would be the first thing you guys would buy if you won the lottery, honestly? <sighs> like $1.6 or it's going to be $2 billion? Yeah. I don't Obvi- know. Obviously, there's a whole thing. You know, it's not actually going to be that amount after taxes and stuff, but it's going to be a pretty good chunk of change anyway. It's going to be close to a billion, I think. Yeah. And I, I, it does depend on how many people win because sometimes the jackpot gets up pretty high and then like 12 people win it. So then it has to get split, like, you know, 10 or 12 ways or something. But. At, well, at this point, I would buy Jared a Main Street pizza just for his comments. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be the first thing that you would buy? I yeah. think, like, the easiest thing to say is obviously, you know, pay off houses, pay off student loans and all that. I think the easiest thing to do would just be, like, to buy a really nice car. Like, to be able to walk to a car dealership with cash and not have to worry about anything else, just be like, that one right there. That's the one I want. Cash. So what car would you buy? I don't even know. I mean, that's the thing. like I I don't think I'd go and buy like a Lamborghini or something like that. Like I that just wouldn't make sense. So I guess I really don't know. I might have to buy an island. Buy an island? There you go. Maybe. You know what I would do? I'm such a good Samaritan. I would pay for all my friends' college educations. How about that? That's a good one. I was thinking about yeah. that. I would definitely um, I would definitely pay for my granddaughter's college educations without a doubt. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, I think that would definitely be something people do, set up some funds, trust funds and stuff like that. I've always thought, too, what would be really cool, if if they would accept it, I guess we could talk to Jason Bell together, AD. <laughs> I think I would put in a nice, you know, turf field at Nick and East Field. Oh, that'd be cool. Something that, you know, doesn't have to be maintained. The soccer team can play on it. You know, peewee football, I don't know if that's still around in Corona. Kicks football, they can play on it. You know, a nice, legit... Jared, you get to see all those fields over on the west side of the state. Some of those schools over there have some nice stadiums. Would you have the Matt Burns caricature right in the middle? <laughs> it would be cool, but no, it would stay Nick and East Field. You oh, can't okay. change that. All right. Something that, 
this now this compliment might uh, ring a little shallow after the sort of show we've had today. Uh huh. But uh, Ted, it seems like you you really are thinking about your granddaughters a lot, and that speaks to how good of a grandfather I think you will be. Ah, oh, thank you. You know, and I will tell you, your perspective definitely changes when you get into that situation. I mean, I'm definitely edging to that point of my life now, Jared. I, you know, recapping last week, and you know, I, I was gone on vacation last week. I took a good buddy uh, and his wife to uh, Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, he's suffering from ALS, so it's uh, it, that's just one of the worst diseases that is out there, and hopefully they can come up with a cure. But Saturday, uh, Amy was up from Indianapolis on Thursday evening. She wanted to go see Jessica's baby, Parker, down in Detroit on Saturday, so we just, we had ourselves a Michigan State tailgate. The grandbabies were there in their Michigan State outfits, uh, and we just had a great time. And it's 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 awesome to see these little ones. You know, it, it really is great. I, I I agree with you, Jared. I think I'll be a halfway decent grandpa. Well, I think you'll do fine, and hopefully you just get them to change their shirts and put on some maize and blue. Well, that's my next goal. I, not only change their shirts, but become a Michigan fan, Michigan football fan. I mean, I'm not going to tell the girls, but I'm going to be, you know, subtly behind the scenes, you know, getting them to like Michigan. I'm going to be in their crib. I'm going to play a little Bob Eufer highlights, you know, so they can get all fired up for some of the classic Michigan games. Don't worry. I'll get one of those granddaughters a Michigan fan. All right, guys, good stuff as always. Uh, You know, that'll do it for now. And we want to remind our listeners, share this three-point podcast with all your friends. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Give us a rating. Fire off a comment or two to our podcast page. You can follow us and comment on Twitter or Instagram at 3PointPod. Email us also at 3PointPod at gmail.com. And again, thanks to Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.